0: a warrant your arrest for the murder of William who who is the gas station attendant. But you're wrong. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up episode for Season 7, Episode 27, although this one's going to be a little different than normal. This week we heard from Tara Thompson, who kind of broke down what Jamie's case is looking like and what we can expect in the future. And as I mentioned last week, uh, myself and Zach are out of the country this week, so we've had to pre-record this. And what we did for this week's Friday follow-up is we had you listeners submit questions for me to ask directly to Jamie. And I recorded that last Friday, and to be honest with you, this was probably the most fun I've had recording a podcast for a while. I and mean, we had some serious conversations, but we also had a lot of fun conversations, and and Jamie, as always, is just such a great speaker and has such a great positive attitude. So, without further ado, right after this short break is a and a with Jamie Snow.
1: Hey, Bob. Hey, Jamie. How are you? Oh, man, I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm I'm sick, but I'm good. Still sick? Oh, yeah, I got pneumonia.
0: Oh, did you get to the doctor?
1: Yeah, I got to the doctor. I, I got to go back at uh, 1230 today, but yeah, they sent me out, gave me some uh, chest x-rays. and So, it is what it is. I, I think the first time I got pneumonia when I was here, they let it go so long that, uh, it might have screwed my lungs up or something. That's why I'm I'm so susceptible to getting it.
0: Right. You sound pretty good for sound pretty good for having pneumonia.
1: Well, I've been drinking a lot of uh, tea and lemon and cough drops, and you know, it's just it's all in your chest, man. You know, it's, it's hard to breathe. You know.
0: Right. Right.
1: As long as I'm sitting up or standing up, you know, it's not as bad. But like at night when I lay down, boy, it's rough.
0: I bet. I bet. Yeah. Well, hey, man, since since uh, we're on a limited limited time here, what I'm going to do is get right into – I put a post up and a bunch of listeners asked questions. I picked a few of them out, and everybody wants to hear right from you. you ready to answer some listener questions? I'm I'm ready. All right, buddy. So here we go. The first one is from Christina Kaiser. She wants to know, is Jamie going to be eating less jailhouse nachos now that things are starting to move in a more positive direction? And then she adds, I just want him to know that we are all waiting to see this new info, get things really moving on your case. So how about them nachos?
1: Uh, you know what? I, I hope I never have to eat another uh another meal of nachos. You know, we got a whole year now to get back to, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm still here, I will. I will be eating them. But you know, I'm you know, I'm really encouraged that uh you know, my nacho eating days may be limited, so. <laughs> that's you know, that's or, great. Or at least, uh, you know, or or at least eating uh, nachos without a margarita. So.
0: Yeah, that's right. The next time you have nachos, you'll have margarita with it.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: That sounds. That sounds great. You know, I, I've got a question for me. What other jailhouse meals do you make? That you know, I, you know, the stuff you get from commissary, not the stuff you're getting in the in the chow hall. What's your um, favorite? You
1: know, guys make uh you know, they make burritos, they make puddings uh out of bananas and cookies. There's a guy upstairs that makes this thing called a wheel, and and what it is is he takes a uh the cover off of a plastic fan and it's it is the perfect size of a, of a of a tortilla shell and he'll lay that down. And he'll put some cheese and some onions and peppers and, you know, some meat. and Then he'll put another one down and put some more stuff. And he stacks it up to where it's like, you know, it's it's about six, seven, eight inches thick, you know. And then he takes that whole thing and he puts it in a plastic bag and he, he drops it into a uh, plastic, you know, hard plastic property box. And he heats it up. And, man, I'm going to tell you what, that is the best. That is probably the best concoction that I've ever ate. Of what somebody has come up in here.
0: That actually sounds delicious.
1: Oh, it is, man. I'm telling you, I, I, I tell, uh, uh, Tammy all the time that, uh, I'm going to make her an authentic, you know, uh, prison meal. When I get out, she's got to eat it.
0: So. <laughs> well, Hey, don't put that all on Tammy. I mean, you got to share the wealth with Bob.
1: Well, you know, I, anybody who's there gets, you know, some of the, the jailhouse food, you know, but we'll wash it all down with some beer, and 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 that'll make it all better.
0: That sounds great, buddy. Oh, uh, all right, man. We're gonna move on to Clara Leclerc. She says, "I would like to know what gets Jamie through this horrible situation he has ended up in. How does he get through the day to day of being in prison for a crime he didn't commit?" She also wants to know what would be the first thing you're gonna want to do when you get out.
1: <laughs> you know. I think the first thing I'm probably going to want to do when I get out is, uh, just sit down at a table with my kids, uh, and my grandkids and just have a meal, you know, whatever it is. I, I really don't care, but I I think I would just like to have some quiet time with my family, you know, with my kids. And what gets me through the, what gets me through it, Bob, is, uh, you know, people like you, people like her, people like, you know, all the people that have reached out to me from the, you know, Truth and Justice uh, Army, you know, and along the way, you know, there's been a lot of different people from the Exoneration Project, Tara Thompson, you know, John Lovey, you know, Ray, his wife, Pam, I mean, these people have uh, have kept me going, and the one thing that, above all of that, is the fact that I have a queer conscience, you know, I, I know that I'm innocent, and uh, I, I hold on to the, the, the idea that, you know, when you're innocent, any day can be the day that the break comes that sets you free, you know. And I've seen it happen in my mind over and over, and, uh, and I have no doubt. I mean, I, I really believe that it's going to happen. So it's all of you, you know, that get me through.
0: Have you experienced a lot of people getting freed since you've been in prison, people you knew?
1: I've seen a dozen people go home. I mean, at least a dozen people have gone home since I've been here. How does that make you feel? That, I, that, I've, actually, that I've actually known personally. Sure, you sure. You know, had her. Yeah. How,
0: how does that make but you feel? A, Is there any kind of, like, jealousy or bitterness, or does it encourage you?
1: <laughs> oh, man. You know, I hate to admit it. Damn right it makes me jealous.
0: You You're know, right. I but bet I'm, it
1: does. I'm only human, though, you know. But, I mean, it, it makes me jealous for just a moment. You know and then i accept i accept the the uh the fact that you know they've you know they've already done their time you know they've they've lived the nightmare that I'm living and they've they've gone through the same things and you know it's it's their turn you know and um you know and there's been some of them like you know james Kuppelberg, um patrick persley um juan rivera these guys have come come out. And uh, came came to some of the uh, the events that we have in the summertime, and have you know stepped up, and spoken out for me, and you know I mean that stuff means something to me, you know. But but yeah, I get jealous, absolutely.
0: Right. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I I would too. I just you know that's got to be there's got to be a piece of it that you know that that gives you some hope. But then there's yeah, like you said, there's got to be that other piece that's like, damn it, why is that well, not I'm me? I'm always like
1: God, you know why why not me? Right. <laughs> You know, but, I mean, it's just a process, Bob, and it's something that uh, every single wrongfully convicted person has to go through. You know, and, um, man, I'm telling you, I've got the sort of hope that only the innocent are allowed to have, and and that is that, you know, I will get justice. You know, if I was guilty, I'd be hoping, well, the laws are going to change. You know, there's going to be a, you know, something's going to happen. They're going to give me a time cut or something like that. But, man, when you're innocent, bro, You know. That every day, uh, can be your day, you know. So I've got, I've got the hope that only the innocent are allowed to have and, you know, and I, and I hold on to it, you know.
0: Right. All right. Next, I've got, uh, a question from Danny Hartley. But before we get to his question, I wanted to ask you, I've talked to him about it, but you and I have never talked. You actually got in touch with Danny over the last few months, right?
1: I did. Yeah. Yeah. He, he reached out to me and, uh, I, uh, uh, I called him up and I talked to him. How'd that go? Uh, you know what? It went great. It really, it, it went great. You know, I I know. I mean, Danny was Bill's best friend, and he shoulders a pretty hefty burden, as well as you know, Bill's family, my family. I mean, he he lost his best friend to a to a violent, senseless crime. So you know, and I'll tell you, I was glad that that. I think that your your program it absolutely changed his position and feeling a, about me and I, I was glad that uh you know he's he's come to the you know the, the belief that I'm innocent you know I tell everybody I'm going to convince the world of my innocence if I got to do it one person at a time
0: well you know it's really been you know every time we kind of reach come close to the conclusion of a season like this, I'm always looking back like what what have we accomplished because sometimes you know it's it's a grind every week. Trying to, to to break the case, and you kind of lose sight of the small things. But that's you know looking back on the season, I think Danny is one of the things that you know that, that really makes me smile sometimes. And knowing that you know he's told me that he kind of felt like you were maybe not guilty for a few years before this, but just watching him over the course of this season, I mean he's he's on the fan page every day actively. Working to try to free you as a, as a matter of fact, so danny's question to you for this episode is what positive action can the people of Bloomington do for you now?
1: Wow, well I'll tell you there's there's listen this this is a just keep listening keep keep paying attention to what's going on you know I mean, look, I think you did a great job of telling this. Tell them this story and 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 trying to to solve this case and and get us some trash i think you did a i mean i i i'm not a i don't think i don't think I could do as good a job as you but i i you know i'd sure like to try you know and i'm i'm really seriously contemplating trying to you know do something myself to inform the you know, you concentrated on the on on the crime, and 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 I I'd like to concentrate on the trial, you know, and and uh, and inform people in Bloomington Normal, you know, just exactly, you know, what all happened, and just try to keep the pressure up on them, you know.
0: Right. Yeah, that makes total sense. And oddly enough, our next question comes from Michelle Doherty Simmons, who is actually Danny Hartley's cousin. Now, I don't know if you know this or if I've touched base with you about this, but Michelle is the girl that Bill called just right before he was killed, after Danny left, called her looking for yeah. Danny. And uh, and she writes, how does Jamie feel about the situation of knowing that everything is finally coming out? How does he feel about his situation for being in prison for something he knows that he didn't do? And she also just wants you to know that we all, she says, we all know that you're innocent, and she's praying for a good outcome for your whole situation, and she feels like you were going to get out of prison.
1: Well, you know, uh, I appreciate her, her thoughts and her feelings and, 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 her prayers. And, uh, the thing that I, I, I appreciate the most is that, you know, like, like she said, more, more and more people are, are coming to the conclusion that I'm innocent. I mean, there, you know, this crime wasn't just against Bill Little. I mean, he, he, uh, uh, shouldered the heaviest burden in his family, shouldered, you know, in, in a, a terrible burden in my family, but it was a, it was a crime against the community of of Bloomington. You know, there, it was a crime against every single person that lived in Bloomington and McLean County. And, uh, and that includes her, you know? So, you know, my hope is, you know, as we move forward and, 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 you know, uh, try to get the word out there, uh, that there's even more stuff. And, I mean, you've been through the file, Bob, you know, there's, there's even more stuff out there that, you know, you just didn't have the time to to get to, you know. So all I can say is, you know, to her and to anybody else in Bloomington, stay tuned, you know. Right. Because we're not going to stop. <laughs>
0: That's right. You know, and on that note, you know, the, the things we didn't get to, you know, we, we kind of, you're right, we made the shift. And typically our, our methodology is to focus on the crime. You know, we are very, yeah. um, you know, focused on Absolutely. the victim. And but, but, when it comes to the trial, you know we we covered a little bit of this stuff, but we we sort of backed off it because it was kind of like telling the same story over and over again at some point. yeah, but i yeah. I'd like to know so you had you had a lot of people go onto that witness stand and and swear under oath that you confessed to this crime and lied on you like what are your feelings about those people? and I, and I know there's kind of a separation there. there's the group that has come clean and recanted. And then there's the group that hasn't. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on all that,
1: man? You know, there was people that got up there, Bob, that I'd never laid eyes on before. I never laid eyes on some of these people. They put on the stand before they got up there and swore they knew me all their life, and you know, it was something like out of a out of a damn movie, man. Like I like like it was surreal hearing this, you know, over and over. But you know, I, I will tell you the thing that makes me the most angry, you know, when I I look back on it, I mean, really upsets me, is that none of them, not one of them thought of my family, not one of them thought of my kids. You know, and look, if it had been true, then, you know, that's just what it is. But the fact that they were making it up as they went along and were being fed information, and, and that's part of it, too. You know, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes where, you know these people that were testifying. Yeah, they testified that I told them I did it. But most—no, I shouldn't say most—but a great amount of their, their their testimony was being fed to them by the by the prosecutors and detectives. It's just a terrible thing,
0: you know. Right. And the ones that really get me are guys like, like Ed Palumbo because that that that's someone you did know. I
1: did know Ed.
0: Yeah. And and what was it? What was it like sitting there? listening to that testimony now ed of course has has since recanted and is is working to help you but in trial sitting there listening to someone you know give that false testimony what was going through your mind
1: uh i probably wouldn't want to repeat it on your program (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a dumb question really (laughs) but you know i i was uh i mean i'm not even sure there's words in the english language to uh to fully uh, uh describe what I was feeling. I was feeling hurt. I was feeling angry, disgusted. You know, I know why he did it. You know, I, I know that he was, you know, he in the beginning was just trying to get himself out of his own troubles. And, you know, I mean, look, once you make a statement against somebody, they're always going to come back to you and be like, "Well, you know what? You made this statement, and if you don't follow through with it, we're going to do this and that and this and that and this and that to you." And I know that's what they did to him, and you know, he didn't want to, he didn't want to stay in in, in prison any longer. So he just he just got up there and did what he did. But you know, I mean, look at the end of the day, every single one of these people are going to have to answer to somebody for what they did. You know, I mean, if you're a believer in God, which I am. You know, and I, and I and I believe that there is uh, a time that we're all going to have to answer for the things that we've done in this life. You know, they're going to have to answer for that someday. And I'm glad that I won't ever have to answer for, uh, you know, the murder of William Little in the next life. I can tell you that.
0: Right. All right, Jamie, we're about to run time for sort of the last question of round one here. It's actually not a question. I just want to read to you uh, a note that came from Heather Bates Gray. She says, I have something that I would like to say to Jamie. Every time I see a snowman now, I think about Jamie and his wrongful imprisonment. I want Jamie to know that I hope and pray that he is released and exonerated soon. I I don't think a lot of our listeners that aren't on Facebook know about the, the whole snowman thing. Where'd that come from?
1: Uh, you know, that was something that Tammy Alexander put together and, and she just every year would get us a snowman ornament and, you know, she would, uh, you know, put them on the tree and I, and we got, we got them from all over the place this year, Bob. I mean, we got them from as far as, uh, Japan. (laughs) So yeah, you know, I, we've got 10 of them, right? Well, She's gotten ten herself, and then the ones that were sent in. You know, I, I hope we don't get too many more until I'm out. You know, and 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 we can uh, we can get some and, and have a whole tree full of snowmen. But yeah, that's what it is. And, Laura, I, you know, I, I hope she knows. I, I appreciate that. You know, and and uh, you know, keep praying for me and keep thinking of uh, you know, keep thinking of us. Great.
0: All right, they're going to cut us off, and uh, I'll, I'll talk to you at noon.
1: Okay, I'll call you back at noon, Bob. All
0: right, sounds good. Thanks, Jim.
1: All
0: right, man. Bye-bye. All right, this is a good time to take a quick break. Jamie only gets his phone calls in 20-minute segments. So what you're about to hear next after this short break is the second half of our Q&A with Jamie Snow. Hey, Bob. Hey, buddy. All right, we are back, and I've got more questions for you. Okay. So this one comes from Summer Hagee. She wants to know. She said, "What was Jamie's reaction when he figured out that the Truth and Justice Army was really big and really supportive?"
1: <laughs> Man, hey, I'm still figuring it out. I got a, <laughs> I, I, I got a uh, a new contact uh, notice on on my tablet this morning from someone. So, I mean, I had no really, I had I had no idea uh, that it was as big. And as, as supportive as it is, and I and I think I've told you and I've I've told other people, you know, that I mean this has been the easiest four months of the last twenty years, and this is because of you and them. So
0: That's awesome. You know, I, I was I've been meaning to ask you, there's um the one listener, uh Leslie from out on the East Coast, that's has done a ton of work, you know, she she put together flyers and she pre printed stuff. Did you did you have contact with her before or was she a listener that just contacted with you got in contact with you through the podcast?
1: She was one of uh she's one of your listeners.
0: No kidding. Well, wow, that that's awesome.
1: It is. It really is, man. I mean, you know, and I've thought about this and I really wanted to tell you and everybody else this, you know. I mean, what you do and what they do is just it's it's unbelievably awesome, man. I mean, you and they hold you know the, the the people that that we entrust our our uh, our safety and our lives to. You guys hold them accountable, and, and and I mean, man, when they're when they're wrong, there needs to be more people like you, Bob, willing to you know hold them accountable when they get it wrong. And I mean, people like Leslie and 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 just so many other people that I've met, you know, along this this way is it's just unbelievable, man, that the, the fact that they're willing to say no. You know, we're not going to accept
0: that. You know, it's, it's incredible. You know, when I when I started this journey just as kind of a hobby about five years ago, I had no idea that there were this many just amazing people in the world that are willing to, you know, sacrifice of themselves and give to right these wrongs. And it just, it, it, it's what really, for me personally, keeps me going every day is to, is to realize there's so many amazing people in the world that are willing to help.
1: You know, I wish I could plagiarize this, but you know, you know Martin Luther King said once that uh, you know, and an injustice for one is an injustice for all, and that's the truth. Yeah, you know, I mean, people like you and people like you know the Truth and Justice Army, and 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 you know every you you guys set the standard for what you accept in your communities from your prosecutors and your police, and and if you say things like that has happened to me is okay, if you you know, if you say that, you know, the things that happened to Ed, hey, it's okay. If if you say that what happened to him, it's okay, then, you know, you're telling them that, you know, when we come to do something like that to one of your loved ones, it's okay. Right. I, I'm just overwhelmed with appreciation that you and, uh you know, your followers and the people that listen, you know, are willing to say no, <laughs> that's not okay. Sometimes it's not the popular thing to do, but it's the right thing to do, you know
0: yeah we have we have very thankfully we have a very a very incredible group of of people that that listen and follow along and help
1: yeah it's amazing man it's amazing yeah
0: you know, and and one of those people is uh Rhiannon Sumner, and she says has jamie started making plans for when he is released, either saying them out loud or just quietly to himself, or is that something he can't even imagine yet
1: oh i make i think about it you know I see it in my mind happening all the time, yeah. Have I made, uh, you know, plans of uh, beyond, you know, getting out and leaving the state of Illinois and going to Tennessee? No. I mean, that's my plan. You know, I'm going to get out. I'm going to spend a little time with my family. And then, uh, you know, most likely before the sun goes down on the day I get out, I will be leaving the state of Illinois.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And headed to Tennessee. So
0: so that's, uh, that's interesting because one of the questions is from Brian Blanchett, and he wants to know, if your conviction is overturned, where do you see yourself moving to? Maybe Florida or Bloomington. But you said Tennessee. Why Tennessee?
1: Well, Tennessee is where Tammy Alexander is. You know, she's, uh, that's, that's where I'm going to be.
0: Are, are you coming? I've, I've honestly, in all this time, I have never asked Tammy and never really asked you <laughs> exactly what the, the, the nature of that relationship is. So, so maybe now's the time to get the, to get the skinny on that. What's up?
1: I mean, she's uh, she's my best friend, and, and uh, I love her to death. And, and she's uh, she's held me up all these years, you know. And uh, we're going to see, you know, we're going to see where it goes.
0: That's really great. That kind of gave me goose pimples for a second. Because, you know, the, the way Tammy, and Tammy's absolutely amazing, and she's been such a huge help along with Ray throughout this process. But, you know, the the way she interacts with me, She's very, very professional. She's she's always willing to help out and she has access to all the records and it's very professional in the way she interacts. So I was, you know, it, it never really occurred to me that, that you guys may have, you know, more of a relationship than her just being a, a, uh, a might, case advocate.
1: You know, I, I, I might get in trouble for saying something. You know, I, I, I probably shouldn't even have said that, but, you know, it is what it is.
0: It, I think it's great. Know? And, and, and I know Tammy's listening and ha, Tammy Jamie told me.
1: Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That that's great. You know, and and that that leads you. So, in the break, I was talking to my wife out here in the office with me, uh, with Mike and I, and we were talking a little bit about about things. You know, with if you get out of prison, and, and what she wanted to know is, big picture wise, what do you want to do with your life when you get out? I mean, I know you know relationship wise and where you want to be, but you know what are your dreams? What are, what what is the big picture of Jamie Snow's life on the outside? What's that look
1: like? You know, I want to move to Tennessee. I want to learn how to make moonshine. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. You know, listen, I, I mean, honestly, the big picture is I just want to spend time with my kids and my grandkids. I just want to be free. But I think about this all the time and, you know, I, I would really absolutely feel like I would have this need to reach back and just pull one person out with me. I, I think I could actually move on and heal from what's been done to me if I could reach back and just pull one person up out of here. I, and, and so, you know, the, the easy answer is to say that, you know, I would like to get on some sort of a, I don't want to say crusade, but I, I I would absolutely want to do something that would highlight someone else's case. Sort of like maybe not a podcast, but you know, like I don't even know. But I I would absolutely want to try to help somebody else get out. And then, man, I'm just gonna live, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna live. I'd like to I'd like to go. You know, I'd, I'm not so not sure I could do the same uh, things that I did before I got locked up, but I I would still like to, you know, get back into the tree business and do tree work. I loved it.
0: Nice. Being outside, working with your hands.
1: Yeah, I loved it, man. It was the greatest job
0: ever. And you know, when it comes to that advocacy stuff, I don't know if you know this, but you're, you're pretty good on a podcast, Jamie. And I know a guy that could help put something like that together for you.
1: Well, you know, when I, when I get out, you can put us in, you can put us in touch, man. And I, You know, because listen, there are some guys in here, Bob, that I absolutely believe are innocent. You know, it's, it's, you just get a feeling about, you know, people. And, uh, there's some, there's some people that, you know, and look, I am the hardest person to convince. And, and, and that's, that's one of my faults. And, and I, I, I've worked on it over the years. You know, I sometimes don't give people the benefit of the doubt that I want people to have for me. But I've gotten to the place in in my life and in this journey where, you know, I listen just a little bit better now. You know, and and man, if I could help somebody just put this nightmare behind them like I've been able to do, I could live and, and be completely happy.
0: Well, that's awesome, and I, and, I, and I believe that you're going to be able to. If anybody can do it, you can, for sure. I believe it. I believe it. So n- now, little little trickier question. This is from Jamie White, and she wants to know, she says, Obviously, Jamie has thoroughly studied and remembers many details of his case. How does the new information that's been uncovered fit in with all of the evidence he's collected over the years, and does he have a theory on what happened, given the new evidence from Truth and Justice?
1: You know, um, look, I'm, I, I know the evidence in the, in the case. I, I don't know how my attorneys will frame that up. I know I had a call with Tara this morning, and I know that they're following through with some stuff. I don't know how they'll they'll frame that up. But me personally, I mean, I think that uh, uh, the evidence that's been, uh, I mean, it's really par for the course for the police department down there i mean they blew it they blew it i think the answers were right in their face the whole time and they just they just didn't see it which happens you know i've i've seen other cases bob where you know i just saw one the other day that was solved after like i don't know 20 or 30 years and the person who committed the crime lived right right across the street and was was uh, questioned like the day of the crime, you know? And, I mean, the the answers are are right there in their face, and I think they just blew it. I don't know if that
0: answers her question, but... Well, I think the big question she's asking... It does. It does, absolutely. But the big question she's asking, and I don't know if you'll be comfortable even answering it, is do you have a theory about who killed Bill?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. I will tell you that I was surprised that once Durbin and Miller were arrested. The armed the, the the armed robberies stopped. They slowed down or whatever. That's pretty important to me, man. <laughs> you know, I've always wondered why Jeff Durbin and I and I I think I sent you an email. I've always wondered why Jeff Durbin came to my cell and just wanted to look at me and say, hey, you know, I I just wanted to see who they who they pinned that case on. And and I sent you an email. I, I got a picture of him from Leslie, and it is absolutely. Who I think Leslie got it from my daughter, but it is it is absolutely Jeff Durbin. The picture she sent, he's about fifty pounds heavier, but that's him. Mm -hmm. So, me personally, I think there was a struggle in the gas station. I don't think the person actually went in there with the intent to kill him, but I think that uh, you know per you know what his family has said all along is that you know he 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 probably would have fought before he would have gave the money over. I think he probably did. I think there was a struggle between him and, and and whoever was in there, and 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 ultimately, I think that's that's why he got shot. I think it was just uh, a situation where the person was trying to get out of the get out of the gas station, and maybe Bill was trying to stop him.
0: I agree a hundred percent. I know you haven't obviously heard the episodes, but you you pretty much just laid out exactly the the theory that I put out. That I, I think that's a, that's exactly what happened.
1: I've always believed that. You know, there's a reason why they asked his family individually in on different days. You know, do you think he would have fought or do you think he would have just gave up the money? I mean, there's a reason why investigators asked that question. There must have been something about the crime scene that led them to believe that there was a struggle and they wanted the family to either confirm it or, you know, dissuade them from their thought. And and that's why I believe it. So I'm really hoping that, you know, with what what has transpired with the you know, clearly a couple of guys that should have been <laughs> investigated, ruled out of suspects, which they didn't, you know, I, I'm, I'm really hoping that that will play into the part that the McLean County State's attorney, you know, with, with Don Knapp that he plays and, and they just say, okay, you know what, let's, let's, let's do the forensic testing. You want to pay for it. Let's do it. and See what happens.
0: Yeah. I, I really hope that that, that is what ends up happening. I mean, like, as you've said many times in the past, it's, it's a it's a win win situation for the state, and they're not paying for it, and it should either help them or
1: crazy. Yeah, I wish there was some way that I could I, I could file a FOIA request to find out how much money McLean County has paid fighting us to do the DNA testing. It's just ridiculous, right? You know, I mean, they're spending thousands of taxpayers' dollars down there to try to fight something that wouldn't cost them a penny. I just don't get it, right?
0: Yeah, I'm with you. All right. Now, the the very last question I have for you, Jamie, and this, this one comes right for me as it's, it's, uh, about an hour past my feeding time here. I want to know when you get, <laughs> when, when you get out, have you thought about what, now, now I'm not talking about the prison meals you're going to cook up for Tammy. What is the first meal that you want to have once you get out of prison?
1: I want, I want a, I want a, a bone in ribeye medium rare a nice salad and a baked potato with some sour cream and that'll do it
0: that sounds delicious right now
1: i mean that that that's that that would that would absolutely do it i mean i i uh there was a, a restaurant i used to eat at down in florida called texas cattle company and they man they had the greatest aged ribeye steaks in there man you you've ever you've ever had so yeah that's that's what it would be
0: that's awesome well when it happens, I hope that that I can join you for that. For maybe I'll let you have one meal with your family, but I definitely want to join you sometime within a day or two of you
1: getting out. Well, I, you know what, uh, Bob, I feel like you're kind of part of the family now too. You know, so <laughs> you know, you, if if it happens like that, man, you're you, you know, we we will absolutely want you to be sitting at the table with us.
0: Well, that's great. You won't you won't be able to keep me away.
1: So. You know, and, and, you know, it's, it's been an awesome thing. When I sent you that, that message in the bottle, man, I, you know, I, I, I send them out and I, I send them with the, the greatest amount of hope that I can possess when I put them in the, you know, when I, I send it out, man, I'm, and you, you wrote back, man, and it's been an awesome experience from, from day one. So I'm very lucky and I'm very blessed.
0: Well, I I feel the same way, Jamie. It's been it's been great getting to know you over the last six months, and and as 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 I've told you before, we're even though we're done with the the season on the podcast, we're not done with the investigation, and 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 you and I are going to keep in contact.
1: And neither are we, man. You know, we're you know this one door opens, another one closes, and I just keep it moving forward, man. I mean, I'm I'm we've already got things in the works to keep going, you know, and and uh, it is what it is, you know. it's a marathon. It is not a sprint, you know, that's right. And that's what it is. So, you know, and I think maybe I'll get that tattooed on me. It was a marathon, not a sprint.
0: You know, I know a guy for that too. Our co-host Zach,
1: (laughs) (laughs) we got you covered, Jamie. Right on. I've got a dozen ideas for tattoos, you know, but, uh, listen, you know, Bob, I, I, I appreciate you. I, I appreciate your listeners and, uh, this isn't goodbye, man. This is, uh, I'll see you later.
0: Truth and justice is an NBI studios production and is distributed by wondering produced and edited by Mike busing and all music for the show is created and composed by put our follow-up logo was created by Zach Weaver, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. A big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kaywood Yomnik, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, and Jen Reese in Candela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd really like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreoncom truthandjustice. The Ford Ranger, a vehicle for all terrains and every passion. It's a workmate, a playmate, and to its drivers, a soulmate. So how do you improve the Ford Ranger? You go all in. The all-new Ford Ranger, the UK's best-selling pickup. Now available with rear bumper steps, tailgate workbench, and enlarged load box that can fit a Euro pallet. Go break it in. Search all-new Ford Ranger. Ford Pro, driving productivity. According to SMMT data, features may be optional extras with additional cost.